It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. A camel shirt. And welcome to uh, episode, I guess, 61, a special episode of the Fighting Cop Podcast because we have Lucas Ronaldo from Network 10 over in Australia on the line to talk to us about Postacoglu's potential move to Tottenham. Although, Lucas, I don't know, are you a Spurs fan as well, aren't you? Yes, yes, yeah. I am. Um, yes, I think I'm one... Go on. I'm one of the very few Spurs fans that is going to be happy about this. Okay. Basically, Australians are the only ones pleased about this. Yeah, so like the, the general mood at Spurs, I don't, think, um, I don't think this is a slight on him. But obviously, as a Spurs fan, you understand the, the situation we find ourselves yeah. in and how frustrating it is. And the fact that we are in this situation again where we don't have a manager and just names just keep falling apart, falling apart. We've had this list of, we talked about on podcast, Ricky's list yesterday, where, you know, there was some Andrew's big, bottom. Andrew's bottom, <laughs> but it's not. I, 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 tell us about him then. Why, why f- apart from you being excited about him, as as an Australian that he could potentially be managing yeah. I think would he be the first Australian manager in the Premier League? Yes, yes he would be. Yeah. Um but uh, like you say apart from the fact that I'm Australian he's not Nuno I think is the main thing. Nuno didn't fit the philosophy of the club and what Levy said he wants the club to to pursue Ange definitely does. And I think the the best example of why he would be a good appointment don't get me wrong if we can get Nagelsmann, we should 100% get Nagelsmann. Right. But if it's going to be Arnie Slot or or any of the other sort of managers, Lewis Enrique, any of these managers that are being linked right now who aren't first choice, I think all you have to do is look at the way Celtic fans reacted when he was appointed there. Uh, when he was appointed there, he'd just come off of winning uh, the J-League in, in Japan with Yokohama F. Marinos. Yeah. Um, and they talked about... Postacoglu, who's this guy? He doesn't know anything about Scottish football. He's gone in there when Rangers, I know they're expected to win the league, but at that time, Rangers had just won, won it yep. and Celtic have now won two in a row. 
so you're saying that the mood was similar, comparable when Postacoglu was linked to what perhaps Spurs fans are, are, are feeling now. All right, let's let's go back to let's. I'm just trying to go to um, you know back to the beginning. And tell us a bit more about him because we don't know a great deal. Um, most mm. of his most of his time uh, has been developing in Australia and in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, his original start was with a club called South Melbourne in our old uh, semi-professional league called the NSL. Um, his first, one of his coaches that he had there was um, Frank Pushkas. Um, so a bit of his teachings and the way that he plays is sort of Pushkas inspired because he had a stint managing in Australia. Um, well, he had, had, had a Pushkas leave, the, leave a legacy in Australia, did he? Yeah, with, with South Melbourne. So that sort of inspired um, Postacoglu, who then was very successful with a Greek club in, in Melbourne called South Melbourne. Um, after that, he had a bit of time managing in, in sort of the young Socceroos. Um, and he was sort of revolutionary in that he played this, what has now become ticket tacker and Pep style. Later on, his team, Brisbane Raw in the A-League that went undefeated for 36 games, a record, um, was called Raw Salona because they were basically, was at a similar time to 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 um, Pep's Barca and were sweeping all before them and Australians I'm sure that the Australians that English football fans will know are guys like Timmy Cahill and maybe defenders like Lucas Neal quite physical his style wasn't that it was attacking it was it was pressing it was passing the ball around so I think that's why he would be suited to Tottenham because it's it's a very attacking style and he's he's quite brave as well um he won't cop too much from from the media I think any Celtic fan will tell you that as well. He's quite—I'm sure he'll take the piss out of Arsenal a lot in in presses because he does it to Rangers all the time, just sort of to win over the fans more than anything. Um, would you would you say? Obviously, the question is: is can he make the step up now? The step up from the what? What success did he have in Japan? Marit is Marit one one J League, yeah, one one J League title, but they hadn't won one for about twenty years before that. And then how long was he in Japan before going to Scotland? Yeah, three years. So he had a bit bit of time there. Um, and then I think finished second in his final year there and then and then went across. So he's going over to um, to Glasgow Celtic. And like you say, they've won two, yeah. two titles. Um, that is a step up. And obviously the expectation of, of managing a, a side in the old firm is, is huge. Yeah, but they are expected to win. Coming yeah. to Tottenham is a is a massive, massive step up from that. Of course. Now, of course. apparently, Arnie Slot, one of the reasons why he didn't leave Feyenoord, and this is coming from a Spurs fan and from a, from a biased Spurs perspective, is what I've read is that the job he saw at Tottenham was huge, and he thought that I'm he's quite comfortable in Feyenoord. He's just been given a new contract, more money. Why leave now when to go into what is a very difficult job at Tottenham? Do you think there's any risk? Of Postacoglu looking at it and going, yeah, this is too, this is too, too much of a mess. Or do you think it's something you would relish? I, I, I think there's a definite risk that he could turn us down. As much as that sound would sound weird to people that he would turn down Tottenham, but he's always been a bit of a, he's quite a romantic. I've got his book just here, and in his book he he mentions about the way he sees football, and it, it's always about passion. He's always been very passionate about all the clubs. He's been at South Melbourne was sort of his his junior side, 
then with Australia, he actually stepped down because he said he was he was too passionate about it. There was also um, rumours of discontent with, with the board, which is something Spurs fans will like. He didn't like the way that the FFA, the Football Federation Australia, um, were acting. And after qualifying for us for a World Cup and winning our first ever Asian Cup, stepped down, said, I don't, I don't want to manage this before. And when I managed in Japan. So at the time, that caused a lot of controversy. So that's maybe a good sign that he won't take too much from Levy. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there's a chance he could turn it down. But at the same time, it's the biggest job he's going to get. No no other top six gonna, club, realistically, in the Premier League is, is going to go for Postacoglu. So there's no way his ambition might say, I have to, I can turn this down. I can't. There's, you know, for some, some managers, like you say, this is an opportunity for that they won't get but it, it's also massive and it's also potentially career damaging as well like not many managers walk away from Tottenham with their their, their reputation <laughs> intact which is you know we, yeah. I'm, I don't know how you feel and as, I'm, you know you're here as a journalist but as a Spurs fan how disillusioned it all is now and, and, and you can understand why these managers are saying well I don't need this I don't need this and that's that's the worry yeah Absolutely. Well, I just got back from from England a couple of weeks ago, and I went to the, the the I got very lucky. I went to the Brighton game and the Manchester United game, and when it was we were two 0 down at, at United, a lot of my one chance to see Tottenham was spent with everyone going, "Well, Levy out," and you know, yeah, of course I'm going to join in because everyone's Levy out at this stage. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think the thing is that, like I say, I do think if he gets off the job, he'll come, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if he if he turned it down Understood. just because of that. What we mentioned. Yeah. Um, um, tell me about his tactics then. What's his preferred style of play? You know, how does it compare with Tottenham's traditional playing side? Very, very much suited to Tottenham's um, sort of playing style. It's possession based. It's not quite. I think it's changed over time. Um, he he normally always goes with a four two three one or four three three. Yeah. Um, but it's quite attacking, um, and he's. He said before that he doesn't like using a plan B. He doesn't. He wants to play on the front foot, and his he, what he always says is the plan B is to do plan A better, to sort of attack, and whatever happens happens. So it's it's entertaining. And after the last three years, what we've had to go through, and I'm sure you guys can imagine, it's it's bad enough watching it when it's three p.m. When it's two a.m. watching <laughs> watching Conte football, it's it's not fun. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, I, I certainly would love to see someone come in that is going to play that style for sure. And the thing is, with 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 experience, and I know he's obviously it's a big step up as every step in his career has been, but this is the biggest so far. Um, Arnie Slot suddenly had a bit of a change. I think when we were first linked, everyone was sort of like, "Why would we want?" Yeah any slot but then it sort of changed i'm not sure if we were just sort of convinced but he was not even a, he hadn't managed a game of football when we we're in the champions league final Ange postacoglu has been managing for 20 years so in terms of experience i know any slot was doing that in the eredivisa but it's still a step up to go to the premier league Ange has an extra 20 years managing in a lot of different countries managing where people have gone, you're Australian, you're not going to know anything about football, which is obviously the perception as Americans get. So he's had to be adaptable in his career, whereas Arnie Slot realistically hasn't. He's only managed two clubs, both in his home country. It's funny you said that. The, I, I think the, the, a lot of the mood around Spurs fans 
you know, partly is, is the kind of pessimism of being a Spurs fan at the moment, the pessimistic nature of following our club. But the fact that he's Australian is an issue. Not from, I mean, not on, it's stupid that he is, but it is. That is going to be at the forefront. He's like, what, how is an Australian going to be able to understand and cope at this level? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And, and that's the irony of that is that very few English managers can even do it. Like, you know, the, you know, you, you, what you got Eddie Howe at the moment. I think Eddie Howe is the highest, has the best finish of any English manager in 20 years. So this isn't about that. It's just that there's never been an Australian manager in the Premier League. Um, I think that is a part of it. And, may, and, and that's something you've got to look past because where he comes from is irrelevant, right? It's how good he can coach. Yeah. Um, how do you think he'll manage these big time players? Because Celtic, he's, he brought in a lot of players, brought in something like 29 transfers at Celtic. Mm. Um, how, how do you think you would manage the big time players we have like Kane and, and, and Son? And how, how might they react to him? Is he an abrasive manager? Is he, does he put his arm around? Does he create a community at a club? Very much an arm round type of manager. But one thing he does do, he's not afraid to come in his first big job in the A-League with Brisbane Raw. He came in, and these names won't mean anything to Spurs fans, but Craig Moore, I think he's at Rangers, one of our big defenders, played in the World Cup, came in, and he was sort of Brisbane's big player. Got rid of him, got rid of another player, Danny Tiato. Experienced players is more what I'm getting at. Yeah. So he's not afraid to come in and sort of tear up shop. So if we were in a situation where, almost like Mourinho does, where he picks out a player and, and says, no, you're gone, he sort of has done that in the past. Um but at the same time, he's very much a, an arm around sort of manager. Everyone that has worked with Postacoglu in the past is always, it's a bit like Pochettino, where mm. people say he was amazing to work for. He was so kind to me, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> and like you say, bringing in, bringing in players, he has shown that he, he brought a lot of players in from the J League when he um, went to Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen how good Matoma's been at Brighton this year. There's a lot of guys that, go under the radar, maybe outside of Europe, um, that might not be able to play for Tottenham. But if a guy like Matoma can step up, there's 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 guys all across the world that, that he might have better access to and is probably more willing to take a punt on, I think. Uh, in terms of playing the player development, obviously we'd be interested to see what managers can do with our youth, youth setup. Um, is, is, does he have a good record of working with youth, play, youth players and introducing them into the first team? Yeah, well, he was Australia's youth manager for a long time. And like I said, he, he, when he was Australia's coach, he got rid of uh, Lucas Neal, who mentioned before, who was our captain at the time, got rid of him, brought through a lot of young players, who, uh, one of them being Massimo Luongo, who was on the book of Spurs at, at one point. That's right. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, he does tend to sort of play the young players. He's almost the, even though he's 57, which Spurs for some reason have a problem with, he's almost the archetype of, of the young manager trying to play that sort of attacking style, possession base based on Pep and bringing through young players, which we see a lot now. But for us, he is effectively Australia's Pep Guardiola, really. Yeah. What, um, what, what, what about his um, like adaptability? Like you said about him you know, having one style of play and doing that to the best of his ability. But we've seen uh, there's, there's bits and pieces of Mason's game management that I've quite liked, his, his, his willingness to adapt to situations in, the, in, in a difficult game with changes in formation. Is, it, is, he, is he steadfast in that formation? This is the way we're playing. It doesn't matter what the other team are doing. We're going to imprint our will on the game. Or, or can he offer some level of pra- pragma- pragmatism? Not that that's a positive thing. I'm just curious, really, because... Hmm. The Conte had I one way of playing, he's... and that was it. And it was, yeah. I mean, it's poor. Yeah, I but... think Conte. I, I don't think Conte talked about tactics this whole season. To be honest. No. I think he was, he was committed to just playing that style. But I, I feel like with Postecoglou, he is adaptable in formation, but not in style. I don't think he'll change his style too much. He'll still try and play attacking football, but he has changed his formation to suit oppositions. Uh, when he was Australia coach, he started playing. A three at the back with, but not the way Spurs play it with wing with wing backs with wingers. So it was effectively just three centre backs and then a bunch of attackers, which a lot of people at the time went, "This is nuts." But he's <laughs> he's brave like that. He, Did it work? He will, he will, um, well, yes and no. It got us to the World Cup, um, but then afterwards, that was sort of when he quit. Um, so the thing is, it, it did get us to a World Cup. When, when, when we're playing teams that sit back in a low block, if we're playing attacking football at White Hart Lane, you're going to teams will try and soak up pressure. In that in, in that environment, I don't I don't have any issue with sort of Perisic playing as a as a you know attacking wing back, or it's just at times when Poro as well. Exactly, indeed. What 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 do you think he would do with players like that? I mean, because we we are set up, we have we have we have kind of wing backs as opposed to full backs. John Bass recently mentioned that he doesn't buy this on, on the podcast. He doesn't buy this idea that wingbacks can't pay as fullbacks if they are essentially defenders as Porro is. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you think he would do in that situation where we have lots of these wingbacks, we have a couple of fullbacks, one's not even in the, in the club at the moment in Brigbyon. You know, we've got lots of centre-backs that are not good enough. What, 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 how, how do you think he might go about solving those problems? I think um, Perisic. I think he has played inverted wing, uh, inverted fullbacks at times, at um, at Celtic with a four at the back. So maybe Perisic could have a life doing that. Um, personally, I don't see any situation where Poro can play in a back four. He can barely play as as, as the wing back. He, he can only attack. He's, I think he's the worst defender at the club, which is saying something, considering mm-hmm. we just brought brought in for forty five million. But um, yeah, I think. Those I would say you'll play a four at the back. So Poro, I think, eventually would get found out in that formation. So he might try it, but I'd say Perisic is one that could still play as that sort of inverted role that he's done at Celtic. That's worrying, isn't it? Um, I, I know what you're saying. Is will a manager have the patience to coach Poro and get him into that that right back role when Emerson Royale can already do it, and and as a fullback. Less. What what does he do with his fullbacks typically? Are they are they attack minded in in his attacking, system? Attacking, yeah. What overlapping? Yeah, normally attacking. Yeah, normally when he was in Australia, he always had overlapping attacking fullbacks, and that was 
a big part of his system uh, since he's been um, at Celtic. He's sort of done the the one that's in vogue now, doing the the underlapping with inverted fullbacks. Um, I think it will be a situation where he'll get here and, well, if he does end up coming, that he'd get here and see, okay, this is what this guy needs to do. The good thing about those power on Perisic is that now that Lucas Moore is gone, if Dan Juma doesn't come back, if we're playing a 4-3-3, those guys could be the, the sort of backup wingers, if, if you like. So there could still be a role in, in a 4-3-3 for them, even if they are found out defensively. But I'd say that, that in a Postacoglu system, even as much as he loves an attacking fullback, that that Poro would eventually get found out because at the end of the day, he can't defend to save his life. No. Um, what what uh, what about that midfield? So you know, if he plays a free, is it going to be? Will we be looking to? Will he, will he need an attacking midfielder there, or do you think he is his midfield much more, you know, pragmatic and solid? What how how, how would he play a midfield free if he does? The one player I'd fear for in that midfield three would be Hoybier. I, I, I don't think he likes a, a DM who, who just can't pass, which Hoybier, as much as good at tackling, and he, he can, we've seen at times that he can play a good through ball, but I, I don't think Hoybier is a Postacoglu player. Um, I think he would want a creative midfielder, even if it's not an out-and-out number 10 we've seen how much those have gone out of vogue recently. I think he would sort of look to bring in at least one creative midfielder because that, that midfield at the moment is just... Yeah. They, they can't pass. None of them. <laughs> what, uh, is there anyone at Celtic, do you think, that he might make the move with him? With him? Anyone decent there? To, to be honest, I don't think so. Um, I don't think he'd be naive enough because since he went across, everyone's sort of going, oh, who's he going to take? Who's he going to take in uh, that's Australian from the A-League that he can bring over there? But he's gone, no, this is a bit of a level above. He did take guys from Japan because it's Comparable the standard probably. is a little bit higher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think he'd take anyone. You could take an, make an arg- argument for, for Jota or something like that, but I don't think there's anyone that is of the level required for, for Spurs, to be honest. Um, what What is the mood then in in Australia for about about the, the idea that Postacoglu could be a Premier League manager. Is this something that's been keenly followed in the press? Or Absolutely. Well, as everyone knows, Australia football isn't our main sport, but Postacoglu has sort of broken through that and everyone knows who he is now. Um, and everyone basically wants him to go to a, to a Premier League team when there's been any sort of job, which there's been a lot, um, like the Everton job, for example, people are trying to link him to, I think, uh, the Southampton at one stage this season. Um but he's basically, I wouldn't be surprised if he got offered those jobs and turned them down. I could not see him. The other thing about him is he'll probably leave at the end of the season after their cup final um, if he were to go. So that's another wait. Um, but Australia is basically all sold on this Postacoglu journey. So I think you would almost see that sort of thing that's happened with Son where you get a lot of South Koreans that have started supporting Tottenham. I, th- I think that would sort of happen with Australia because all of a sudden you've got we're over there, aren't we? We're over there, and uh... yeah, and yeah, coming to coming to Perth um, soon, um, just in July, and then obviously Scott Munn coming in um, as the as the yeah. What is going on? It's like the Australian invasion into Tottenham. Yeah, I don't know. Also, in the city I live in, in Adelaide, uh, there's a, a relationship with a school that's happening where Tottenham are partnering with a school um, to send some coaches over and that sort of thing. 
well, well, the, is this because they believe that there is an untapped market in Australia that, that there are the oh. potential there? We look, I mean, from looking at the demographic, uh, listen to the fighting cock, it's not insignificant the people that do listen to the podcast in, in Australia, like it is there. It's probably like hmm. maybe fourth or fifth biggest country that listens to the pod. And I, all I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is because it's probably reflective of, of how many people follow the club as well, right? So, yeah. um. I wonder if they just think that there's like the Premier League is going to explode in a, if it hasn't already. What? How, how popular is Premier League football over there? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Premier League's way more popular than, than the A-League here. Everyone sort of, not everyone, but you're much more likely to have people talking about the Premier League and knowing what's going on than, than the A-League. So I think not so much an untapped market for God, I hope that Levy isn't thinking, let's get Postacoglu in because he might get some Australians watching. I, I hope that. I that can't, it can't be that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, are kids in Australia still much more interested in rugby and cricket than um, than football? Then it's, it's it's yeah, it's mainly uh, it's mainly Australian rules our 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 version of football and and rugby league. Mate, that is um, that Australian game, rule. That game is mental. Like yeah, we occasionally yeah, get some clips come through. And you're like, what is the? Why is the picture pitch so? Ma- it's this massive pitch. There's fights breaking out. It's mental. No, it's not played anywhere else it, in the world, is it? Or is it like maybe? And it's the by far. Yeah, it's by far the biggest sport here. Is it? A mile, a hundred thousand. Like they play at the MCG, a hundred thousand people a year. But, so it's it's weird going from, especially being a, a football fan first and foremost. Yeah. Here, I also do like Aussie rules and cover it for work. But going here and it being such a sort of a bubble of, of footy of Australian footy and then going over to UK recently and everyone's going what the fuck is that thing you've got over there <laughs> you're just going I don't know I don't it's, know what you've got it's mental <laughs> every, every now and you get your clips and stuff so you're pretty sure it around but it's just, it's just I mean I couldn't tell you a single thing about it apart from I know that it exists um so just you just mentioned Scott Munn there just before we finish Scott Munn um Again, an unknown quantity to Spurs. We'd, most of us had never heard of him before. He's, he, he was given the role of chief of, chief football officer. What, what did, did, you, did you know much about him before he he became? Spurs? I, I knew him, but yeah, I knew him, but it's not like he's a big name or anything here. He'd worked obviously with the City Football Group, yeah, um, but in in China, not not for Manchester City and for Melbourne City, who are obviously owned by my Manchester City. Mm. Um, so there is a bit of a link. Um, having worked at a club uh, in the city football group as Postacoglu did in Japan. Um, they didn't cross paths at that time, but there is a bit of a sort of a tenuous link there. Um, but yeah, he's not a big name. It did surprise me. That sort of came from nowhere, to, to be honest, that appointment. I, it doesn't seem like, well, we are getting a director of football in, so it doesn't seem like he's too involved in, in football operations. He's more of a finance guy. Um, Why give so, the title chief football officer? Is yeah, it, it's it's strange. Uh, I, I I almost get the feeling that Levy's gone. I can't. I'm going to relinquish control 
and he's almost taking part of what Le- what uh, Levy did and then the director of football and then they work together. I think in the release it said Parati- he'll work closely with, with Paratici at the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's almost like Daniel Levy is trying to move away from the footballing operations, and he's got kind of brought in a minimum, minimum, a minion that that could yeah. just do his bidding. Yeah. A literal minion. He's about five foot five. I know. I know. I mean, imagine. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Not you know. I'm not. I don't know if you can say anything offensive about heightists, but I'm not, I'm not a heightist, right? I don't know. Even know what the term might be. But imagine them going into negotiating rooms and Daniel Levy and Scott Munn. They're like both five foot five five foot six it's not it's it, not the powerhouse you want is it that, that, that photo of them at the airport is oh. there with no belt yeah <laughs> i know yourself correctly anyway look um so look as you understand it his role is sort of financial and and and, and sort of business strategy not football management yeah like like you say it's still it's still obviously a football role but more in terms of not searching for players and stuff like that it's running the business it, that yeah, just sort of running the football business as opposed to running the, like, directing scouts and stuff like that. Okay. So is that, all, is that about all you can give us on, on Scott Munn? Is there any, anything else that we should know? He's, 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 yeah, he's, he's worked, like I say, he's worked in Aussie rules and in the Olympics. So he's not primarily, I'm sure he had an interest in football before, but he didn't, I don't think he grew up as, as, as a football person, to be honest, because right. he sort of found that later in life. Um, so he doesn't, like I say, I'd be very worried if his role is to come here and tell our scouts, oh, you need to search here and here and here, because he hasn't really done that before. It, it just sounds like we here. shouldn't even be acknowledge his existence, really. Like, just let him get I, on I and do, <laughs> do the job. Just do the job and get on with it. Then, it's, then there's someone else needs to come in. I mean, uh, I don't know. No, like it's, it's a tough one for Postagoglu as well, because it, will it be impact him that, you know, he's he's got to go into a job and he doesn't know who the director of football is? And like you said, he's had a somewhat tempestuous relationship with other owners. If, if a DOF comes in, essentially who supersedes him in the power structure of a club, that a DOF goes in above the manager or the head coach, for example, he's going to have to work under someone. That person needs to know that that, that working relationship will be compatible. It doesn't matter. They could both be geniuses. If they can't work together, it's going to fall apart. Yeah, I, I don't see any manager joining. No, I mean, would you like if you were Postecoglou looking at it, going, "Look, this is a great opportunity, but I, there is the, the structure isn't there for me to do my job yet." You would have to be slightly insane, but yeah. I think that's just the way we've gone about this. This again, which is amazing that we've done this two years later. But I don't understand how we can do this two years after what we did with Nuno, and then it seems so obvious that the first thing we need to do is get the director of football in. We knew what was going to happen with with um, Paratici and then now once a coach once those two are in place then they're going to start searching for players by then it's going to be the end of July beginning of August and mm-hmm. we're going to have another window where we, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel we're not, we, we, won't be, we won't be ready for next season and all of that all of that is, mm-hmm. is Daniel Levy he's, he's fun as the, lead, the head of the club if we're in this situation twice on the bounce you know you, you can stay long enough to ruin your reputation that's what happens that's that. That's he, in my opinion, done a great job at Spurs, but in the last three or four years, he's really he's, he's, his reputation has taken an absolute pace in. Um, Lucas, we're gonna have to leave it there, but thank you so much, mate. And um, if he comes, I'll be getting tapping you up for for more information on how he, he might set up Spurs next season should it happen. But uh, at the moment, it currently is all 
speculation and just sort of waiting for it to come out that he's turned us down because and then it, it, it would amaze me it would Kevin amaze muskets me. up now <laughs> it would it would amaze me if ryan mason isn't in charge next season just the way things are going it's fucking oh, mental i know <laughs> lucas thank you mate uh, it's been a pleasure mate thanks for having me on cheers it's the fight in it's the fight in It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Cock! Sports Social Podcast Network.